Hot Mess. Sponsored by Mason Hazen Curran, experts in renewable energy. Find out more on mhc.ie forward slash energy 22. In 10 million years. In 10 million years? Yeah. Do you think you're going to be around in 10 million years? Yeah. Stand up and show me how you're going to be walking in 10 million years' time. Uh, with two. I asked the principal of my kids' school, would she allow me to come and ask the junior and senior infants' class what they think the world will be like in the future. This, as you can imagine, was the best crack ever. I'm going to have 100 hands. 100 hands? Yeah. Now, what are you going to do with 100 hands? How can you possibly need that many hands? Uh, so I can eat everything in the house and get wild. <laughs> <laughs> Our homes, it seems, will be made of precious metals, gemstones and treats. I would like lollipops so I can lick my way out of the... Your house is going to be made out of lollipops? Yeah, so it can... But what happens when all your friends come around and start licking the walls? I will get a gate that no one knows to pass out on me. And the class of 2022 will augment their bodies with lots of useful prosthetic devices. I'm going to have six hands. I can catch fish with my other hand and I can drink water and eat with my other two hands. Genevieve, what, what, what robot part are you going to put in your body? Uh, a heart. But you have a heart. Yeah, but another one. Why would you need another heart? Because I'm going to be a fan so small and be nice. Twice as much heart as everybody else and twice as much love to give. That's lovely. Now, it would be lovely to think that Dennis would get his six hands and Genevieve her extra heart... What we can say with much greater certainty is that by 2100 they will be in their early 80s and as things stand now they will be living in a world that will have passed through 1.5 degrees, breached 2 degrees and come to settle at somewhere between 2.5 and 2.7 degrees of warming. Now the world is hurtling towards a 3 degree temperature rise this century. Floods that used to hit once a century would come every single year and those that came once a century would be beyond all historical experience. The global warming will kill 83 million people within the next 80 years. That's a grim number that translates to more than 1 million people per year. This new study, based on expert opinions, projects that sea level rise could be more than double that figure. Because she lives in the future, inhabiting a hotter, more dangerous and biologically diminished planet. Devastating fires could increase by up to 57% by the end of the century, primarily because of climate change. In India, by the end of the century, there would be 30 times as many severe heat waves as today. And once we pass 1.5 degrees, even before it, there is an increasing likelihood that we will hit a series of tipping points, irreversible changes to the planet, which could even further accelerate global warming. If those predictions come true, glaciers and polar ice caps will melt and the sea level will rise. I'm Philip Boucher Hayes and this is Hot Mess. As warming pushes the planet through multiple points of no return, what will the world we leave our children look like? Episode 18. Their world will be what we make it. Most of the programmes in this series have been about identifying a problem and talking to those with a solution. And perhaps Hot Mess is guilty of sugarcoating the enormity of this crisis. This programme won't do that. It's time to stare into the abyss and to contemplate everything ahead. If that sounds overwhelming, though, 
Let me promise you now some good news at the end of this programme, something to send you on your way with a sense of, we have got this. First, though, the abyss. We define a climate tipping point as when part of the climate system has changed that becomes self-sustaining when it passes some sort of warming threshold. Dr. David Armstrong McKay is a climate scientist. An example would be for an ice sheet, you get to a certain warming level beyond which the collapse of that ice sheet is inevitable, even if you were to make warming uh, halt or fall back a bit that collapse would keep on going. So it's when you get this self-sustaining change in part of the climate system. So quite literally a point of no return. Yeah, exactly. And like a domino fall, one tipping point can nudge another tipping point, and you could end up with a runaway cascade. Indeed, passing one tipping point can make other tipping points more likely if they're connected somehow. Uh, So again, the Greenland ice sheet, that collapsing releases uh, meltwater into the North Atlantic, that could affect how ocean currents uh, can shift around in response. These tipping points are immediately relevant to us. There is already so much carbon in the atmosphere that the Greenland ice sheet will probably keep on melting for the next several hundred years, no matter what we do. The ice sheet is losing mass and it's now become the largest contributor to global sea level rise. All that meltwater in the Atlantic will destabilise currents, which will lead to Europe's western shore being battered by stronger winter storms. We get stronger winter storms in Europe when it's cold out in the Atlantic. And the continent being hit by more and more intense heat waves. It is warm wind, and uh, this was the reason for the 2003 heat wave, for example, and the 2015 heat wave in Europe. So David Armstrong McKay set out to assess how far away each of the 19 different tipping points were and what, if any possibility, was there of them being avoided. There's been so much advances in climate science in the past 15 years that we thought it was really timely now to do an updated assessment of climate tipping points, in particular looking at some of the new uh, proposed candidates. We may not have to wait for warming to hit 1.5 for some of the tipping points to be knocked over. Even at current warming levels now, uh, five climate tipping points are already possible, but not yet likely. Uh, These five include the Greenland ice sheet, the West Antarctic ice sheet, um, the Labrador Sea convection, so that's a current that is in the Labrador Sea of of Canada, uh, the abrupt uh, fall of permafrost in the northern uh, regions, and also the die-off of tropical and subtropical coral reefs as well. Of those five, four of those become likely at 1.5 degrees of warming. So these are the ones that we're most concerned about. These could possibly happen in the next 10 to 15 years. That's not David's opinion. That's the summary of over 220 specialised reports and research projects written in the last decade. We only had one melt event that's detectable all over the Greenland ice sheet. And that was in 1887. Tipping point number one. Greenland is melting six or seven times faster than it was 25 years ago. And since year 2000, we had four. Tipping point two. Trillions of tonnes of ice in West Antarctica are being held back by ice shelves that appear to be in a terminal state of decline. 
you know, 25 years ago, if you told me that an eye shop was going to dis just disintegrate and, and be gone in, in a matter of days or weeks, I would have said, that's crazy, that's not going to happen. But we've seen that happen since. Tipping point three. Coral reef die-offs would obliterate the marine food web and with it, an unknowable amount of aquatic life around the globe. Listen, coral reefs are existentially threatened by climate change. They are the canaries in the, in the coal mine here. This is uh, coral reefs with more than one and a half degrees of warming are at threat of being degraded all around the world. Tipping point four. Melting Greenland ice is already upsetting the salinity of the Labrador Sea convection current. So if systems like this weaken, the ocean could take up less carbon dioxide in the future meaning global warming happens even faster. Tipping point five. There's nearly twice as much carbon and methane stored in the soils of the Arctic region as there is in the atmosphere. A sudden thawing of the permafrost could release huge amounts of it. There's an, kind of a, a range of possibilities for how much permafrost thaw will thaw, say, by 2100, and number of based on a number of different models, but the range always stays somewhere between 30 to 70%. And all of these are now possible. Not likely, not probable, just possible in the next 15 years. Perhaps even as little as 10 years. Perhaps sooner. We may in fact actually reach that level in one or two years, uh, in the next five years. Um, but what we're talking about when we're talking about global warming reaching these thresholds is the average over several years. But even so, in about 10 years or so, we might be hitting this 1.5 degree threshold for several tipping points, which makes them much more likely. Uh, and by the middle of the century on current trajectories, we're heading towards that two degrees of warming, which makes other tipping points likely as well. Once we pass 1.5 degrees, the five tipping points you have heard move from possible to likely. Then between 1.5 and 2 degrees, another five tipping points become possible. Uh, so, for example, one that we're concerned about is collapse of mountain glaciers. Uh, beyond around 2 degrees warming, we think it's likely that in many different regions outside of polar areas, uh, mountain glaciers will be committed to total loss beyond around 2 degrees. Uh, but that becomes possible beyond 1.5 degrees as well. Barents Sea Ice, that's a region off the northeast of Europe with a lot of sea ice that helps modulate Europe's climate and that could cause a lot of extreme weather uh, if that changes. And by the time you're getting towards two degrees and more, you're getting into things like the Amazon rainforest as well, which could die back. And uh, there's a lot of moisture recycling uh, in the rainforest. It makes its own rainfall. And if you lose enough of that uh, forest from deforestation or droughts, then it stops to be able to make as much rainfall and that causes more of itself to die off. Some of this is written into the futures of the class of 2022, no matter what we do. But a lot of it can be averted or minimised. Their world, at the end of their lives, will be what we make it now. But everything was diamonds. You wish that everything in the world was diamonds when you get old, yeah? Yeah. So, so that everybody would be rich with diamonds? Yep. It'd be very sparkly, wouldn't it? You'd have to wear sunglasses all the time, wouldn't you? Yeah. Their world will be what we make it. This is why it's wrong to think of climate change as a cliff that humankind is driving towards in a Thelma and Louise moment. What the science describes isn't a precipice. It's a steep, rocky hill 
were falling down it, were picking up more and more injuries, tumbling ever faster the less action that we take. Losing money, losing lives. And the really grotesque thing is, we're pushing our children in front of us. But the science also says that it doesn't have to be that way. We have the know-how to flatten that hill out, to make it less steep and to slow down the rate of our descent. And a long, long time from now, are we still going to be driving cars? No, no we're not. No, we're, yeah. we're going to ride carriages. We're going to ride around in carriages? Yeah. yeah. And what's, go what's going to pull the carriages? Horses, of course. And then it will take so, so, so long to get everywhere, but the horses could get lost, or you could get lost, or the horses could like, get lost. Wait, did I just say that? <laughs> Their world will be what we make it. by Mason Hayes and Curran, your ESG legal experts in Ireland. Find out more on mhc.ie forward slash ESG22. Snow accumulates in the opposite direction to the wind because the wind tends to blow the snow over the cliffs and it settles at the, uh, the foot of gullies and cliffs. I was chatting to a man called Ian Cameron a few months ago about the snow in the Scottish Highlands. Well, in the 80s, it was generally snowier. Anyway, when we were growing up, um, my parents' house would often be snowed in. I mean, we'd be snowed off school, uh, at least a few times, I think, every year. That's my memory of it. He does a survey of snow patches all across Scotland for the UK Met Office. He records how long they persist throughout the year. If you go year after year, you'll find that in summer and, and autumn, um, after the, the preceding winter, you, you find very large patches of snow, typically in places like Ben Nevis, typically uh, in the Cairngorms, where even... To give an example, on the 1st of July, you can still have patches of snow in excess of a kilometre. In most years, there has been snow on the highest of the Scottish peaks all year round. Not so much these days, though. And as the weeks went past, uh, these patches of snow started to disappear. Some of the larger ones became smaller. And ultimately, the, last, the very last patch of snow called uh, the Sphinx, it's named uh, after a rock climb above it. So that uh, actually disappeared uh, a few days ago and that is significant because it's one of only a handful of times that it has vanished in the last 300 years. They have records of how many times this has happened going back a very long way. We've got good evidence going back to the 1700s. The first time it disappeared completely was in 1933 
it melted again in 1959, and then it melted again in 1996, 2003, 2006, 2017, 2018, 2021, and 2022. There was a lot of that this year. Some things disappearing, other things reappearing. We are about an hour outside of Fort Worth, Texas this morning, and I want you to take a look at this. These are dinosaur prints that scientists say are more than 100 million years old, and usually they're underwater and filled with sediment. But this morning, you can clearly see them, and they go on for more than 300 yards down this river here. Lake Mead outside Las Vegas in Nevada revealed bodies dumped by the mafia decades ago. Tonight, a mystery deepening in Nevada with human remains discovered at Lake Mead four times since May. The third longest river in the world, China's Yangtze, sucked dry by a heat wave unsurpassed in recorded weather history. But again, many news outlets covered the story as an archaeological curiosity and not a climate portent. The receding river has uncovered the base of a 700-year-old temple that normally appears to float on the water and a trio of 600-year-old Buddhist statues that were once submerged. But throughout the year, you were never too far away from a natural disaster story. It has been a year of extreme weather. Devastating floods in Pakistan, drought in Somalia with millions threatened by famine, and record-breaking heat in the UK and many other countries. Looking at what is happening in the world around us this year, the United Nations decided that it needed to start getting a handle on how whole societies, even civilization itself, might collapse. Societal collapse, uh, that society is in a state of continual decay, we're not improving, and there's been some sort of shock that's led us there. That's Tom Chernov. He's a researcher at Oxford University's Centre for the Study of Existential Risk. Climate change does impact all areas of society, and we can see it as something that uh, if we can't control it, if we can't live in a healthy environment, then chances are that our finance systems, our agriculture, and everything in society is going to be affected such that we might have these cascading failures throughout society that could put us in these nasty positions. Tom's work is interesting. But what's nearly more fascinating, though, is that serious and sober-minded people at the United Nations have decided that we need to start examining how the end of human civilization might happen and what it would look like. I think the United Nations is interested in uh, a lot of different areas. And obviously, at the same time, that they'll be considering everything from um, an absolute worst-case scenario to an absolute best-case scenario and everything else that's in between. Tom's research analysed what are called the nine planetary boundaries, nine different but often interlinked threats to human existence. The planetary boundaries consist of nine Earth systems that together define a safe operating space for humanity on Earth. They consider things like climate change, stratospheric ozone depletion, ocean acidification, and freshwater usage, as well as biodiversity levels, just to name a few. Together, these nine systems, they really give us a great idea of, um, of important Earth systems that we should be focusing on and ensuring that we stay below uh, safe limits. 
and where are we? Current estimates have us as uh, beyond the boundary on five of these. Uh, scientists and researchers believe is that we've passed the boundary for the climate change one, the one that looks at biodiversity, the land system change one, and then biogeochemical flows, as well as uh, novel, ed- novel entities. That's man-made pollutants like plastic. But the issue is, is that there exist all these interconnections between them. So whilst we might say we think we've only passed five, there could be interconnections that exist to the other ones that we're not yet aware of, which means that potentially we could have passed more. And are we past a point of no return in these planetary boundaries, or can things be pulled back to a safe level again? So again, it's well within our interest to never let things pass the boundary in the first place. And we are, uh, particularly for some like the one that looks at biodiversity, the climate change uh, boundary, we are in incredibly dangerous levels. But there is hope that with urgent action that's targeted, planned and executed well, that we can bring ourselves back below the boundary to, a set, to what's called a safe operating space. Even though we are uh, uh, beyond the boundary for a couple of these, it is possible uh, to rectify this. But really, we have to act quickly. Is this why the idea of the collapse of human civilization begins to be well, come into focus or something that we should contemplate? Because we are past some of these boundaries, it is incredibly concerning. Society depends on a lot of different things to function correctly. So if we get to a stage where we're living in an environment that's not healthy, that can't provide us with food, we don't have effective agriculture, then that could really start to cascade throughout society. And again, there's a lot of uncertainty, but you can imagine where if we don't have agriculture and there's drought with forced migrations of people, the likelihood for pandemics and conflict rises, and overall the resilience of society and the ability of society to bounce back from these negative events is continually diminished. The more we move beyond these boundaries and find ourselves in an unhealthy environment, the bigger the risk, the long-term risk is to humanity. Uh, what about made out of gold? You'd think the world would be made of gold. Ev- everything will be made of gold in the future. Only the side of my house, and nobody else could get my gold. You'll have all the gold. Be 100 million rich. 100 million rich. But you'd have no friends. You'd be all on your own with all that gold in your house. There is cause for optimism. Eight years ago, the scientists of the UN's Intergovernmental Panel were projecting that the global temperature rise by 2100 could be as high as four degrees. Four degrees would be apocalyptic. This year's junior infants would, at the end of their lives, be living in a world in which much of China would probably have turned to desert and its population would be on the move. Large parts of populous countries like Indonesia, the Philippines, Bangladesh would be swamped by rising seas. Much of the Indian subcontinent would become unlivable due to prolonged heat waves. 
Countries where the effects of climate change are more benign would become life rafts for humanity. New Zealand, Norway, Canada, Russia, and yes, Ireland. But here's the good news. In the eight years since that four degree projection, we have made enormous progress. We've cut global warming at the end of the century by a third. If all the emissions cuts promised by governments are actually implemented, warming will be capped at somewhere under 2.7 degrees. We haven't started doing the really heavy lifting yet, but on paper, in just eight years, we have found a way to avert a truly apocalyptic four degrees into a merely Old Testament hellscape of 2.7 degrees. A third in eight years. We may yet do right by the junior infants. Did you have fun thinking about the future? No. no? <laughs> Are you looking forward to the future? No. Would you rather that everything just stays exactly as it is right now? Would that be the best? Mixed views there, bit of yes, bit of no. Guys, thank you. I don't want to prove how. <laughs> I don't think anybody really does a good thing about it. Thank you very much, guys. Take care. Bye bye. If you found this programme interesting, there are others available for download. How do we get farmers and environmentalists talking to each other? How soon can we get off Putin's gas? Should we mine for lithium along the Wicklow Way? Hot Mess is available wherever you get your podcasts. Hot Mess, sponsored by Mason Hazen Curran, a powerhouse in legal advice in Ireland. Find out more on mhc.ie forward slash energy 22.